0: My dear players, this is the Dominion League Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Trumpf, and this is the episode for January 27th, 2023. If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and I would like to invite you to take a minute to commemorate the victims of the
1: Holocaust.
0: We are in the middle of a long league break, and there's no better time for a wrap-up episode than this. Let's get to it. So, oa 28 played a fantastic season with 23 wins, that's a 77% win rate, and got that sweet league champion title as the cherry on top by merely showing up to the championship match. I don't know what I thought I was mathing last episode, but obviously Jay nails pulled out some good wins that catapulted him up to second place in the division, pushing Mick down into the demoting position. He and Turcubist are going down to B next season. As reported, Yurika Moome and Haka 3 win the B divisions. Jans wins C1 with exactly 65%, as does Brian in C4. And we already knew Micah the Debater and Triple Range Merge One C2 and C3, respectively. In D1, Bitterworm Coil wins half a point ahead of Chimera, but of course both of them promote. Bitterworm Coil got 68% and Chimera 67%. We already knew Kateria Namek 1d2, Yoifudo and Adam Horton, Making Luck, Making Luck at Dominion Podcast 1d3, and Chestic Promotes alongside Swordfish Trombone from d4. Congratulations! We already knew Leopard Krone and Oskar Eigenram 1e1 1, e, 1, and d2, Helvi takes e3, Bspar 29 wins e4, we already congratulated Clam Chowder on their E5 win last episode. Ostene held out in number one of E6, single T takes E7, and as we already reported last time, Plagu takes E8. Congratulations everyone, well played. And as you know, I will give you all the remaining promotions in F2I tiers after the end of the regular episode. Whoop whoop! Tier champs are underway, and we already crowned a season 55 B tier champion. That is Haka3. Congrats! So, you may or may not have noticed, but last episode I completely forgot to <laughs> uh, shout out results comments, even though I have collected some. So this is going to be everything. I I screenshot it in the past. Uh, almost two months now. (laughs) It's not that long a list, so don't worry. But we start, of course, with Johns, who played a B2 match at some point against Yurika Mome in 13525. And Johns said, If someone points out to you that your pet theory of the universe is in disagreement with Maxwell's equations, then so much the worse for Maxwell's equations. If it is found to be contradicted by observation, well, these experimentalists do bungle things sometimes. But if your theory is found to be against the second law of thermodynamics, I can give you no hope. There is nothing for it but to collapse in deepest humiliation. Arthur Eddington Then, oh, this was amazing, a league play-in match between Earl and Xerix. And the description was, Deep in the cold northern wastes, two warriors emerged from their igloos. Clad in beaver belts with a hockey stick in one hand and a double-double in the other, they let out a battle cry of, I'm sorry, Sri Dizalee! We will feel bad about battling a brother because, yes, we do all know each other, but only one of us can be baptized in maple syrup and wear the moose antler crown of a member of A division. Amazing. I love it so much. Then we had Medium Games results where Jan 2-no played Alipata and applied 3 1 and commented Trailers Love, Trailers Life, which. Yes, and then we had match results from G twelve at some point where Kulf played two five three five against Hillian Mark, and Kulf <laughs> said in brackets, shakes fist menacingly at urchin, her. And then Provincible played 0-1 against Z-Botcher in I eleven and said, thanks for the tournament play, all so much more civilized than this playground. Yes, and then we have another. Inspiring quote from John's: The arrow of time doesn't move forward forever. There is a phase in the history of the universe where you go from low entropy to high entropy, but then once you reach the locally maximum entropy you can get to, there's no more arrow of time. Quoting Sean M. Carroll. And then, oh, this was so funny. Uh, at some point, K. Key played three five two five against T. G. Tuft in f f fourteen and said good slow games. <laughs> and I just, I like the sentiment. And then we had John's playing 4-2 against the at BK. And John says 52 minutes, which is um, very impressive. Oh, right. And then, oh, that was so, that was so sweet. That was in the league tier championships channel where we have two players. One is a G winner and one is an F winner. So the G winner is full of a took 10, which I mean, um, by itself already love you. Their avatar is Iroh, the Jasmine Dragon. And then we also have ZW Lemon, whose avatar is Zuko. And when full of a took Wrote something, CW11 responded, Uncle, is that you? And then Fool of a took, answered, Yes, my nephew, I see my taste in delicious tea is as identifiable as your temper. I, yeah, always love a good Avatar reference. I love Avatar so much. So... Last episode, I was telling you about the German Championship. Well, let me tell you, Nekative did not have a good day last Sunday when he faced Eu Exodus in the finale of the German Championship 2022. After some unlucky draws, he seemed to be slightly tilted. Exodus kept his cool and built elegant decks with which he won the match and crowned himself German Dominion Champion 2022. Congratulations! In my personal weekend games, I won my last league match, I won my division, I'm promoting back to E, and I'm very proud of myself, and also very, very scared. Very scared. I'm also in the finals of the Season 55 F Championship, which is very exciting. So for the preview, well, (laughs) um, I don't know, I, (laughs) it's good to have league breaks, but there's like the the batch, the, the calendar, the batch lists, the batch channel are so, so short. it's sad. Um, and let me tell you, the calendar shows plunder release matches almost exclusively. Um, so yeah, I guess that's what we'll be watching for the next week. the the next season starts. On February 6th, so hopefully by then we'll be back to Um yeah, more more matches. And with that we have reached Spec Chat, where I'll share thoughts on any given piece of media I've consumed over the week that is strictly non-Dominion related. Well I had a great, very lazy weekend last weekend, and listened to basically Hunger Games Part 2 and 3, and I wanted to share some thoughts with you. Um, Spoiler, spoiler alert. I will put the time codes in the show notes, Um, but yeah, if you haven't read The Hunger Games or watched the movies, I'm going to talk about stuff that happens in 2 and 3. Yeah, I wanted to share thoughts mostly about the politics that I find problematic, but also about the representation of queerness, which might just be a subsection of the politics, if we're being honest. Before I delve into these two topics, I wanted to say that I liked the books much better this time around than the first time I read them. I like the story and the pace. Obviously the style is lacking, um the perspective is a choice <laughs> and the focus on the love triangle is unfortunate, but all in all this trilogy makes for a compelling read and I really enjoy how the author mixes the aspect of reality TV into her dystopian society. There is a certain subset of reality TV that I absolutely adore and questions of authenticity and performance and the production of emotions or the crafting of narratives is super interesting to me. So that aspect of the books is brilliant, in my opinion. Okay, so queerness. The only representation of queerness that we get in all three books is among the citizens of the capital who are portrayed as self-indulgent, spoiled, careless, shallow, naive, and cruel. Their styling is extravagant and colorful and experimental, and since we see them from Katniss' perspective exclusively, the connotation is that this is objectionable and it is bad. Now, you could argue that since the districts are poor, they can't afford colorful clothing or the means for self-expression, which I would say is probably true to a certain extent. However, the notion that extravagant styling or placing importance on outward appearance is inherently bad is problematic, and I would also argue that there is no correlation between poverty and lack of self-expression. Sure, you can't afford high-quality materials, but you can express yourself by styling and the way you dress just the same. In book three, when Katniss and her squad are in the outskirts of the Capitol and shooting propaganda videos, it is mentioned multiple times that the glass of the Capitol building windows that she and Gail destroy is rainbow-colored. I, (laughs) um, very surprisingly don't like this framing, even though I don't believe it was intentional. But still... Um, yeah, the word rainbow is mentioned multiple times. And I find the messaging concerning. What is even more concerning is that the only time we hear about non-hetero relationships in all three books is in the context of abuse. Again, this is linked to the Capital Citizens exclusively. Finnick recounts his experience as an underage handsome victor of the Hunger Games, who subsequently sold by the president to rich citizens for sexual purposes. This by itself is supposed to evoke shock and disgust and the revelation of perceived sexual deviancy is supposed to shock even more. I find this particularly frustrating because one, don't try to tell me there are no queers in the districts and if you are, Congrats, you managed to come up with a true dystopia, and I don't believe that aspect was what you were thinking of when you were trying to come up with a dystopian society. And two, for fuck's sake, can we not reproduce harmful stereotypes about queer people as being pedophiles? This this is so... I'm so angry about this. It's so harmful. I guess in some... The idea that queerness, and I mean any form of desire that is not heterosexual, is some sort of luxury that you can only afford when you're materially affluent is wrong and bad and very, very harmful. These books are from 2008 through 2010. Yes, that was a while ago, but no, I don't think that's an excuse. All right, and now about the politics. I remember I felt very confused about the politics of the books when I read them the first time and or saw the movies. This confusion is still there after this reread. Um, maybe it's not so much confusion as it is exasperation. Now, I don't know much about Suzanne Collins' politics, but to me, these books very much read like the sort of indifferent, uninformed mainstream idea of politics, where you see the conservatives and the progressives as basically the same. In Germany, there is this myth of the Hoofeisen, the horseshoe, that imagines a neutral political center, and the left and the right as two extremes that resemble each other in means and conviction. And I feel like The Hunger Games does the same thing. Um, especially in book three, where you have the same exact setup as in the previous books. You have Katniss before the reaping, then being prepared for the games, undergoing training, there is the final examination before the game makers, and then the games. In Mockingjay, she does the same thing, only now in district 13, as part of her military training, before passing an exam and being sent to the capital, which is this book's arena so already in the structure the rebels are being presented as the same as the capital just from the other side adding to that we have the punishment and torture of katniss's prep team at the hands of the rebels and of course the final trap where the capital children are bombed then medics rush in including katniss's 13 year old sister who are then murdered in turn so that the rebels win the war I don't know, this part just never really made sense to me. Why does this bombing of children end a war? Massacres of civilians accompany wars, they don't end them. There are sometimes massacres that accompany the end of wars or result out of the ending of wars, but not the other way around. This is very strange. Overall, however, we have the same old story of the revolutionaries who use the same methods as the oppressors, and are they any better then, huh? And I'm so tired of this. It's always the same story, with villains who present compelling arguments until they kill people out of the blue, and that's how we know that they're wrong. We are in Katniss' shoes always, but Katniss doesn't have any political stance. Well... I guess not not any, she is against President Snow and against oppression, but very uninformed, very vaguely. She's very much, don't bother me and I won't bother you. And that's what we're being presented with as the way. That's our main character. And I have a problem with that. First of all, because the horseshoe metaphor is nonsense. Left and right are, of course, fundamentally different and putting them in the same category only serves to delegitimize and criminalize anti-authoritarian movements, which is, of course, a tried and tested strategy of the so-called moderate center to remain mainstream, right? What makes you the center if there are no extremes? You need those. However, the truth about leftists who use violence against people is that they're not leftist. We don't use violence against people. We have to be better, the moment Gail says, well, our people were trapped and killed, so we have the right to trap and kill vulnerable groups, i.e. children, medics, etc., is the moment where this stops to be about left and right. So unless Suzanne Collins wanted to write a young adult novel that presented one fascist organization trying to take over another more fascist organization, I object to the way she imagines the organized left. Now, can we criticize the left? yes. Of course, always. Do we have cause to? Plenty. Not this way, though. Not this way. This is an extremism of the center par excellence. These books tell you that both sides have it wrong, and what you should do is get away from both of them and keep to yourself. Politics are lies, and you should try not to get involved with it. I'm not saying that what Collins imagines here has never happened in history, because it has... I just think it says a lot about your own understanding of politics and ultimately your political stance if you choose to depict a rebellion trying to overthrow a fascist government the way she did in her trilogy. (sighs) All right. Now, I've got a little snippet from my conversation with Donald X for the Advent Calendar for you that didn't make it into the tours. I
1: think I've I think I've told the story. We can we can try. to think if there's something else to say about changeling,
0: how do you like the the changeling art?
1: So yeah, you know, Jay, Jay has found almost every artist. Uh, someone I know was interested in doing a piece, and they did one piece, and uh, it was very nice. But people didn't like it, and I think she just didn't have the time to do more. She might have uh, that piece is wolf mm. There was a little more art because she drew she drew it in the wrong dimensions. But, uh, but, you know, Jay finds all the artists and over the years, things have changed so that first I had very little to do with the art. And then I was approving sketches be- and giving the artists notes that were very simple because people had drawn the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, like famously turning into goons art for pawn, Ooh. which is where goons came from was trying to make a card for that art. Um, <laughs> But you know there there were there were several times, so then then I was saying okay here's here's a simple description of the art, and i we we never have it's never gotten that detailed. I really would like to leave it up to the artist if I can, um yeah. as long as they're illustrating the right thing like it's there are all these things where it's there's all these different approaches you could take, and I don't have have picked it there are a tiny number of cases maybe where I have to some degree. the big thing that's changed since when I first gave the artist notes is that now I specify gender and race because otherwise we'll be all white men. Yeah. Even the, the women artists uh, tended to draw men uh, though. They were more likely to draw women. Mm. And if you, if you just specify that half the cards are men and half are women in the artist notes, if I say this one is a woman and this one is a man and it's 50, 50, there will be more men because they will add random people to some art that wasn't about a person right it was a building and they show a guy front and they're more likely to show a guy than a woman and Mm -hmm. you'll also like have art description now you're getting this big speech you'll have art descriptions like uh you know show a crowd of people show both men and women and they'll show all men they'll just have forgotten crowd of people oh all men and, uh, yeah. it depends on, you know, like you very often can't catch that in the sketch and then it's hard to say, uh, turn in new art for this finished piece, uh, to these guys who, you know, we have sympathy for these artists. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so you have to specify more than half are female if you want half to be female. Um, uh, so that's what we do. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh. This was all about the art for Changeling. So, uh, so yeah, Jay used, to, Jay used to pick all the artists. And at some point, I took over and I pick the artists except for new artists. Jay will still find new artists. And it'll be like, okay, have, you know, have some pieces that can go to somebody new and we'll see how we like them, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he, uh, but, you know, I, I make these lists and I assign people and I look at what they've done for what I assign people, like which people are good at drawing people and which aren't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For example, and you know, which ones will always have anachronisms and which won't, you know, which which ones will be paying attention to physics, depending on you know which card it is to try to pick how I how I line them up. So when I got to do this, at some point I thought, can we get more art by that guy who did ill-gotten gains? And uh, because that was an exceptional piece and we hadn't had him, Uh, you know, he'd he'd just been gone. And so Jake contacted him and it turned out he could do some art and uh, and he did. And he did several more excellent pieces for us. And uh, Changeling is a very unusual one. Uh, It's it's more cartoony than our art uh, typically is. Uh, and people tend to not like that, but I think it, I think Changeling's art went over okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This is so interesting. I was, uh, I was wondering about the, like, the, um, the ultimate Changeling art or the one that it has now, because, um, the, the pictures you used here as placeholders are also really cool. Well, I, I they know you. a nice, a nice set.
1: There. I mean, I just google you know like fantasy art changeling, mm-hmm.
0: uh
1: but I happen to know that that last picture is from a magic card because they uh you know because i that was the tail end of me mm-hmm. uh, playing magic, yeah mm-hmm. uh, when that particular card came out, and so I recognize it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, the style <laughs> reminds me of uh, another game that's called Dixit. I don't know if you know it, but it's about... I don't know uh, it. It's, um, yeah. you have a lot of cards that just show pictures, all kinds of like associative pictures. And then um, one player chooses one of the cards and um, says, I don't know, oh, a yeah. name or something. And then the yeah, I've played this game a bunch. A card.
1: What did yeah. you call it? Dixit. Yes, Dixit. I, I just didn't hear that at all over ah, the Oh, okay. Phone.
0: Okay. Yeah, it, re- it reminds me of that,
1: no, yeah, me I, of that I, style. Plenty of Dixit. Uh...
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough when you are playing with uh, people who know each other really well, <laughs> uh-huh. but you you don't know them <laughs> because for them uh-huh. it's like it's so easy to to understand each other. I feel like it's still fun. But I, I noticed this about the game. Anyways, so yes. that's Changeling.
1: That's Changeling.
0: Great. And this is it for the regular episode. I'll be shouting out all promoting players from f to i tiers now. So if that's not interesting to you, thanks for listening until this point. And see you next time. Bye-bye. All right, we're starting at the bottom in I tier. Congratulations to Northcut and Knas, gravy four and M Master, <laughs> Master Gamer Girl and Toast Mama, DS five seventy nine and Joe U O two R, C Goldstone and Cool Dad Club, Isaiah W one and Kyle C, and and Dietcha Z and Churs, H. Jean and Vazor, FS Wolf and KJ Wine, Pagier and C Webst two, Mr. Badger and bulakula 45, Sheila's and Jacob P123, Quantum Pickle, amazing name. Quantum Pickle and Ranger 69. Lumamu and MSR 1972, Petrovich 78 and Fried Chicken 24, jugetso and Nawa, and Pickle Mick and Rock Thrower. Well done. In H tier, we congratulate Farm Mitch, SNNY, Castle Livery, Cheap Plastic Crap, DJ OSE, Ghostfinder Rick, K2244, Undead OO, Ossifer Clyde, Abinaf 30, Gesusi 1, Jackie Chance, Jeezy, Freti, Tuber Brain for You, Vluker, Great Seco, Ipares, Chris Mertens, and Express One. Then, promoting from G tier are Zappitops and Wales Forever, Dornado and Redley, Hillian Mark and Kilf. Rainbow Chalice and Orange, Glitchiness and full of a Tuck 10, Dilini and Hana, Splattered Bits and G Goyes, Phoenix, Raisi- Phoenix Rising and Way of the Greg, Lolek and Binbeck 420, Anilor and Cooper 667, Cruise Keen and Reza 70, Mike 1991 and Ingix, RB70, RB70 and Shocklines and Yusaki- Yusaku one thousand three and chappy eighty two well done and finally we congratulate our f winners t g tuft bib z w lemon abie youngster joey stoned mason x fret Pultje, T.S., me jiminy and And Snow Busy! Congratulations to us! And um, well played! (laughs) And good luck everyone next season! And that's it for this episode! Thank you for tuning in! You can find me on Discord for feedback. I am at strumpf, and I'll catch you all next time! The game has ended! Bye!